you know it? Maybe twice, maybe three times. Man. That just, that's just biblical stuff right there. That he's coming again. That the dead in Christ will rise first. And one of these days when your loved one who has been born again has passed from this earth to the next earth, you will see them again. You will see them in the sky as they come back with Jesus to come and get the dead in Christ and the woes that are alive be snatched up. What a great and glorious day that's going to be. I hope that you're looking forward to it. The message is going to kind of center around that. The message and title will it be today. Will it be today that he comes to get his children when God tells his son to go get them? Could be today. Did you know that? Jim French, lead us, please, buddy, before we start. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus is coming back. And as he comes back, and maybe you know this and maybe you don't, but we're going to make sure you know it today. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be like a two-act play. Did you know this? There's always been discussion about uh, what it, what's going to happen and how is this going to fit and how is the, the rapture and how is the second coming and how we're going to put it all together. And I, I'm just gonna, not going to spend a lot of time on that, but just to make sure you understand. The first act of the first play of Jesus coming back is known as the rapture. Where Jesus comes in the air and he silently comes and he calls his people back to him, the faithful in Christ. Well, and we've talked about this, will rise and be, be snatched up. And the Bible says he comes in love, gathering his children back together. The Bible tells us that there is nothing that has to happen on this side of earth for him to come back. It is a very imminent kind of event. There is no prophecy that needs to take place. There's no rumors of wars and, and earthquakes and the building of the temple that has to happen at the rap, for the rapture to take place. It is very imminent, and it could happen today. We don't know if it's going to, but he is coming again to get his people. He's coming in love to come and get us. 
The second act of that play is his second coming. The second coming will happen at the end of the tribulation period. After that seven years of ugliness, that's going to happen. And the Bible says he doesn't come in love at his second coming. He comes with wrath and he comes with judgment. And he comes to judge the world and the armies of the world and the people of the world. Everyone that has rejected him, the Bible says, will be judged at that point. And that's where we see the battle of Armageddon at the very end of the tribulation period. When the armies of the world have gathered around the country of Israel in an attempt to destroy Israel. And Christ is going to appear in that eastern sky. And he's going to be riding a white horse wearing a white robe dipped in blood, the Bible says. And you and I who have died and moved on will be coming with him. And the angels will be coming with him in a mighty, mighty army riding white horses. And the Bible says that the armies of the world will turn their attention to Christ because they see him up there. And the Bible says with the spoken word, he will eliminate every enemy of the world at that time. And then at that point, he will set up his thousand-year reign here on this earth known as millennium. You see, God has a plan, does he not? God's going to carry out his plan no matter what uh, Russia says or China says or Palestinians say or you and I say. doesn't make any difference what we think. God has a plan. He has a future for this whole earth, and he knows exactly what's going to happen and when it is going to happen. And whatever we decide we want to think and what we want to do makes no difference because we serve a sovereign God who is in absolute control of world events. He hasn't left his throne. He still sits on his throne, and he knows exactly what he's going to do. Is it important that we know something about the rapture and the second coming? Well, the answer obviously is yes. Because those two events will affect every person on the face of the earth. But there's a lot of different opinions and thoughts about that. The Bible tells us that we don't know when or where all that's going to happen. And for some people, they go, well, just because it hasn't happened over 2,000 years. I mean, they've they've talked about this for 2,000 years. It's surely not going to happen during my lifetime. And we hear people think like that, and, and they believe that, 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 yeah, I think maybe something's going to happen, a rapture or something, but, you know, you know, they've talked about that forever. It's, it's not, it'll happen, but not in my lifetime. I just know it. And they take that attitude that it's not going to affect me. So they choose not to know anything about the rapture and that second coming. Or for some people, and maybe even for Christians, maybe some of us in here, The thought of a rapture being snatched up scares us. (laughs) It just flat scares us because we don't want that, that to happen. We are so attached to the things of this world and, and, and the temporary things. And, and, and in our mind, we go, you know, man, I don't want him to come right now. I'm, I'm enjoying my life too much right now. And it just scares me that that's going to, that that's going to happen. I mean, I, and I can't fault anybody. I mean, uh, when I first became a Christian, that, the thought of the rapture kind of scared me. I mean, boom, snatched up, where'd it go? But for the Christian, it doesn't have to be scary, does it not? It is a blessed hope that one day we will be with him forever 
and forever. I hope as a believer you're not scared of the rapture. But if you are, uh, hopefully today we'll get that straightened up. You see, the Bible tells us as Christians we are to prepare for the rapture. Did you know that? We're to prepare for that. And how do we prepare for that? There is only one way that we prepare for the rapture. And that is making Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of our life. And when we do, we are in preparation for the rapture. We are to look forward to His coming. I mean, we really need to be looking forward to that, that blessed hope, that event that's going to happen one of these days. I mean, we need to be excited, don't you think, about one day, one day that we will have a resurrected body, a perfect body. One day we will not be able to cry tears anymore. We'll not have to deal with death or sorrow or pain or crying and none of that kind of stuff. That we will be changed in an instant. And we will have a resurrected body just like Jesus had when he was resurrected. That is something to be excited about. Because you see, the rapture is not a bad thing. It is a tremendously good thing. The Apostle Paul had some thoughts on the rapture. The thoughts on being excited about this, this coming of the Lord. And he said in 1 Corinthians 1, 7, he says this. He says, so you are not lacking in any gift. Awaiting eagerly for the revelation of our Lord Jesus. That revelation is the revealing of Him. Paul says we are to await eagerly for that, that blessed moment. In Philippians, Paul is writing to them and he's writing from the prison cell. And he reminds those folks, he says, for our citizenship is not, is in heaven. Don't get too tied to this whole earth. Don't get too tied for the things of this earth because what God has prepared for us one day in heaven is something that we can't even imagine. So he says, our citizenship is in heaven which, from which also we eagerly await. I hope you're eagerly awaiting the rapture when he calls us all home to his heavenly place. From the book of James, we read this. James 5, 8, he says this. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Strengthen your heart. That doesn't mean we have to fear. We have to worry about anything that's going to happen. We have a strong faith because we believe in a holy God who promises one day we will be with him forever. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 7, he says the end of all things is near. Therefore, be a sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. The end is coming one of these days. And he says, be vigilant, be excited, be wanting, looking forward to that time when we are called up to heaven. And then Jesus. Jesus even speaks about it in Revelation 22, 20. And it says, he who testifies this thing, these things, and Jesus says this, yes, I am coming quickly, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. He is coming back. What are we supposed to do with those verses that I just read? <laughs> what do we do with those? Do we just ignore them? Do we just not think about them? We just skip over them? I mean, that, I, I don't. Or do we heed what he says? Do we take the words of his scripture and we, and we digest them into ourselves and we digest them into the heart and we get to the point in our lives that we, sh 
we can earnestly be excited for him coming, coming back. You see, Jesus warns us that we are to heed the words of God's word. That we are to take them and understand them and have faith in them and believe in them. Because some most people will not believe these verses. Most people do not believe their verses. Most people will say, I, that's a, not going to happen in my lifetime. And Jesus said, you don't know when it's going to happen. You must be prepared. You must be looking forward to the rapture. That time I come and get you folks. Be ready for that. And Jesus warns us in Matthew 24 about his coming. Matthew 24 talks about the, the prophecies of the end time. And we know in Matthew 24, it doesn't tell us when he's coming. It doesn't tell us how he's coming, where he's coming. But it just says he's coming. We must be aware and take heed of his verses in Matthew 24. It says this about him coming back. For the coming of the Son will be like in the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. See, Jesus kind of gives us a little bit of a picture about when he's coming back. What is society going to be looking like? What, what are the people of this old world going to be doing when the, when the Son of Man comes? And what does he say there? He says people in this world, when he comes back, are going to be living their lives. Living the good life. They're going to be going to work. They're going to be raising kids. They're going to be helping people. They're going to be hanging out with their friends. They're just going to be living life when he comes. Nothing special, he says. But he says it's like the days of Noah. What was going on in Noah's, Noah's day? People were living life as they knew. But yet they decided to reject everything Noah was saying. They rejected the good news that, that Noah had. You see, Noah was building a boat, wasn't he? A boat big enough that uh, was probably as long as a football field. And every day that he built that ark and he was hammering that, those boards together, he would say, it's going to rain. It's going to rain, folks. It's going to rain. It had never rained before on the face of the earth. Noah said, it's going to rain. Well, what is that rain, they would say? He said, it's going to rain. He said, it's going to be judgment because of the way you guys are living. Judgment is coming for you. You're not living the kind of life that's pleasing to God. Judgment is coming. And then he would preach repentance. You've got to repent of this lifestyle. You've got to repent. It's going to be coming rain, rain, judgment, judgment, repentance, repentance. And the people would walk by as he was building the ark and they would smile at him and nod their head at him and shake their head and shrug their shoulders. And they went about just like they were living today, not taking any heed to the judgment, not, not listening to the words of the prophet Noah, could care less about what Noah had to say. But Noah was faithful. For 120 years, the Bible said he kept saying the same thing. 
Rain is coming. Judgment is coming. You got to repent. I mean, you think in, your, in my messages, I repeat myself. Just think about that. How many ways can you say rain and judgment and repentance for 120 years? Not many ways you can, you can change that, is there? He faithfully, faithfully preached that message. And the people that heard the message faithfully rejected it. Not going to happen in my lifetime. I don't know what you're talking about. Noah, you're a crazy old man. We ain't not going to listen to you. But the Bible says then the rain started coming. The rain started coming like just as he had predicted for 120 years. And the Bible says they got Noah and his family into the ark. God closed the door. Means there was no more hope for the rest of the people. They had rejected the good news that Noah was trying to present to them. And they rejected it. And we know what happened. God flooded the earth. And he wanted a new beginning. He had a new reset, I guess is what you want to call it. He was faithful. Why, why would God allow Noah to preach 120 years the same message? I mean, he could have done that 110 years. He allowed him to preach for 120 years. And I got to thinking about that. Why, why does God allow this message to be preached for the last 2,000 years? The message that God loves you and Jesus died on the cross for you to forgive your sins. And all you have to do is accept this free gift. And that message has been preached for over 2,000 years. 2,000 years. 2,000 years. Just like Noah for 120. And we know we look around and we see most folks in today's world, what? Reject the message that God loves them and Jesus died for them. Most folks reject it. I would say in Arapahoe, we probably, uh, there's probably 120 people at least in Arapahoe that uh, that'll be in church today out of 89, eight or 900. You see, most folks reject the good news of the gospel just in Noah's day, just in our day. But you see, we have a really good God. We have a really good God. 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us why. He's waiting 2,000 years before he comes back. 2 Peter 2.9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promises, as some count slowness. But waiting for those, not wanting anyone to perish, but come to repentance. And you see, he was patient with them in Noah's day. He's patient with us. But the Bible tells us there's going to come a day when he's going to close the door of the ark of this old world and he's going to call his people home. Well, it's not going to happen in my day, they say. That's what people will think. But one day, I don't know when it's going to be, there's going to be a rude awakening and the rain will come just like in Noah's day. Christ will come in the eastern sky and we'll be all be snatched up. You see... There is nothing on, in the biblical prophecy chart that says that the rapture is not going to happen. There is nothing that has to happen for Christ to come. There is not nothing that the Bible says has to take place before Jesus comes and gets his people. Well, it's, it's 2,000 years. It's not going to happen. You know, that's the same thing that, that Noah's folks said. Not going to happen in my lifetime. Not going to happen. 
But because God is faithful, what's going to happen one day? He's going to come get his people. We cannot have this cavalier attitude that says it's not going to happen in our lifetime. Because you never know one day God's going to say, son, go get your people. Go get them. Could happen today. Could happen tomorrow. Could happen in a thousand years. I don't know. But I can promise you it's going to happen. The second thing that Jesus warns about is having an attitude of procrastination. (laughs) Putting off today what you can do tomorrow. Or something like that. Putting off what you should do today, but we're going to put it off for another day. Uh, talking to one of our newest believers uh, today. And she was telling me that time after time after time, she would come to church and hear the message. And time after time after time, she sat there knowing that she needed to do something, knowing what she needed to do but was not able to do it. Just couldn't, just couldn't do it. There's always next week. There's always tomorrow. There's always another Sunday. And, and, and finally, she said, finally, on her Sunday, she couldn't help it anymore. That she was under such conviction that the Holy Spirit was drawing her that, that in her mind there would never be another tomorrow. And she came and accepted the Lord as her Savior. She had to reach a point where she couldn't do it anymore. And I know there was one in here, and I, and I honestly believe there's others in here that are, that are in the same boat. That you've heard the message enough. And the conviction of your heart is you don't really understand, but it's so easy to walk out the back door and never make that decision. Put it off, put it off. Procrastinate. There's always tomorrow, and there's that, that great line in, in Rocky Three movie when Apollo Creed is trying to motivate Rocky and Rocky says, I don't want to do it today or tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And, and Apollo says, there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Because, see, tomorrow becomes today. And Jesus said, don't put off what you need to do today. Don't put it off to tomorrow. In Matthew 24, 45 through 51, Jesus tells us a, a parable just about that very thing. And he says in this parable, he said, uh, the master appointed two servants to overlook his, his empire, if he would. And one was the good servant. The good servant did exactly what the master told him to do. He took care of what he was told to take care of. He did the, all the responsibilities that he was told to do. And he did it because he knew one day his master would come back. He didn't know when the master was coming, but he knew one day the master would be back. And he wanted to be pleasing to the master. So no matter how long it took, he was responsible for what he was told to do. And the Bible says the master came back and saw that he was such a good one that he did everything he had told him to do. He had done all the preparations. And he said, I reward you, sir, because of what you have done. You look forward to my coming back. And I will reward you as to have control over all of my possessions. But the second one was the evil servant. The second one was evil because he had heard what the, what the master had told him to do. And he refused to do it. 
He said he, he, he decided knowing that, that it's going to be a long way off before the master ever come back. So I'm going to mistreat. I'm not going to do what he told me to do. I'm going to beat the servants, the other servants. I'm going to mistreat them. I'm not going to do what you've told me to do because I'm not sure when you're coming back. So I'll just do what I want to do. And the Bible says in verse 50 and 51 of those verses, it says this about the evil servant. The master of the slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour which he does not know. And he will cut him in pieces to assign him a place with the hypocrites or the pretenders of the faith. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's he saying here? The one that did not prepare, do, take care of the responsibilities was the evil servant. And God said one day they will be cut off, separated in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said that is called hell. Nobody needs time for that. People today will say the same thing. I'll make the decision for Christ just a little bit later. Don't need to do it today. We'll put it off. Or they'll say, you know, you know, I, I can't do this today. I, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't, I don't need this change in my life, this completely different direction that I'm taking in my life. And then I don't, I don't need that. I, I'll, I'll do it later. Or you hear people say, ah, you know, I, I'll get my life right, you know, before I die. I'll do it before I die. You know, when things get bad and I feel like maybe my time is up, you know, I'll, I'll get on my knees and I'll accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And we, we have that concept. But those are just excuses and procrastinations. Jesus says, don't put off what you can do today. And that is salvation. Don't put off preparing for the rapture, waiting for some other time. Because you never know, you might not have that other time. There is no tomorrow. There is a fable <laughs> that is kind of ties with this procrastination deal. And it's an old fable where, where Satan and his demons were, had just been kicked out of heaven. And they're sitting around thinking about uh, how can we really ruin mankind? How can we just steal, kill, and destroy everything about man? How can we just ruin them? And these, the demons and the devil are sitting there about around the table, and, and uh, one of the demons says, well, I know what we can do. Let's tell them that there is no God. Satan goes, no, are you crazy? They, everybody knows there's a God. That's, that's, not, that's a terrible idea. The second demon decides to voice his opinion. He says, I know what we can do. Let's tell them that there is no hell. Tell them there is no hell. Saying, nah, they, they know, people know there is. Deep down, they know there is. No, that ain't, ain't going to scare nobody. So after a while, a third demon pokes his head up. And he says, I've got it. Let's tell him there is no hurry. Let's tell him there is no hurry. Satan thought for a minute, perfect. Perfect. There is no hurry to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Put it off later on. And how many people do that? How many people have done it in here? Put it off 
Put it off. There is no hurry. You've always got tomorrow. Wait until things are better. Wait until you straighten up your life. Just wait. And there's so much truth in that last one. There is no hurry. A strategy that the, that the enemy wants to put on you. There is no hurry. There is no hurry. Deborah and the family would not have imagined Wednesday night that was her last day. As I talked to the family, they go, well, she was doing pretty good. <laughs> she was doing good. Getting better. Getting better. But God had ordained her days. And her last day was Wednesday. She didn't know that. I am so glad she didn't procrastinate when it came to her faith. We never know. There is no tomorrow. We are not promised tomorrow. We must be ready. Uh, biblically speaking, rapture could come at any time. Don't know. Might be a thousand years. Might be a minute. Who knows? I hope you're looking forward to it. You know, I know the rapture scares a lot of people. <laughs> you know, before the Christian, why, why would it scare a Christian? I don't understand that. Why would it scare somebody that's been born again? Because you see, when we are snatched up out of here, we're going to be face to face with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who made it possible for you to be snatched up. And we'll be able to see him face to face, and we'll be able to see this, the scars on his hands and his feet and his side. And we'll be able to see him, and we'll be able to just fall at his feet and say, Thank you, because I, you're the only reason I could be here. Why would you not look forward to that? Why would you not look forward to a resurrected body that is perfected? No more hurts, no more blindness, no more ears that can't hear, no more being able not to walk. Why would you not want that? See, Christians, that's not going to scare us. Christians, we're going to see things that we cannot even imagine. What no eye has seen or ear has heard or heart can imagine. The glory that he's got for us. That he's going to reveal to us. Why would the rapture scare anybody if that is where you know when the rapture comes, you're going to be right there with him. And you're going to be visiting and seeing every born-again believer in your family and friends. It's going to be the greatest reunion in the history of reunions. Why would you not want that? Christian, that, that's not going to scare nobody. Paul says, eagerly await the time he comes. But for the unbeliever, somebody that's never given their heart and life to Christ, it ought to scare the bejesus out of you. Whatever that is, it ought to scare you to death. Because if you're not ready when the rapture comes, you, and if you're alive, you will get to go through the tribulation time. And you say, well, I'll become a Christian in the tribulation. You could. The Bible says it's going to be the greatest revival in the history of revivals in the tribulation time. But you see, for those Christians who accept Christ during the tribulation, the Bible says almost every one of you will be beheaded. If you accept Christ, you will not be able to buy things. You will not be able to eat things. 
you will be persecuted and you will be killed it'd be so much easier to give your heart and life to Christ now <laughs> before the tribulation because it's not going to be a pretty time if you've never accepted Christ man this is a time to do it you know, you know they say don't, don't, don't try to scare anybody I'm not trying to scare anybody I'm just telling you that's the truth if the rapture happens and you're not born again you're going to be left behind and you deal with tribulation you don't have to the Bible says you don't have to all you gots to do is accept this free gift that God wants to give you and his free gift is Jesus not rocket science not hard to do and many of us in here have many of us are new believers that your name has now been written in the Lamb's book of life and when rapture comes bingo bango you're going to be with him forever and forever that's good news if you've never done that I'm going to invite you to do that today don't wait until that one who waited weeks and weeks and weeks knowing that she should have done it but what a great release she had when she did it she said the greatest feeling that she's ever had because her name was now written in the Lamb's book of life that she'll spend eternity in heaven living in that home and that mansion that Jesus has gone to prepare for just for her that's good news as we begin invitation time, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Do business with the Lord. That's just about as plain as I can get it today. Jesus is coming back. Don't know when, but I, pray, I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. Do that if you have not done that as a piano place. Christian, be praying, would you please? I believe there's somebody in here that needs Jesus today.